The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to Banjo College Football, the world's most ethical college football podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Paul, joined as always uh, by my assistant managers, Brian Scott Rippey and Andrew Stevens. Um, folks, we, we made it through a week of SEC football um, without any public um, COVID outbreaks. Uh, but, you know, those dirty Yankees up in South Bend, Indiana, had to postpone a game this weekend. So uh, how are we feeling about the future of um, college football in 2020? I'm not going to lie. So you introduced us this time as assistant managers. Last time, I thought we were like vice provosts of bag dropping or something. <laughs> episode to episode, we're getting demoted without being told. Rippy, I don't like this. I'd like to be assistant to the regional manager next week. <laughs> I was about to say, at this, at this rate, I think we might be able to just kick me off the podcast within a month or so, which would be the ultimate goal. Stay on your feet, man. You know, no, no one's job is safe. There is no death chart. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of no one's job is safe, um, due to the uh, weaker man that he killed this week, Kevin Paul, our host, is now a gainfully employed member of society. Let's give a nice little. <laughs> hey, Let's go. We don't have COVID here. So that'll be a nice plus. That and no state income tax. No one ever mentions that. Yeah, I uh, I am moving to Austin, Texas um, by the end of the month um, for all our dear listeners. Um, as we said, COVID does not exist in the state of Texas because the border wall just keeps it all out. Uh, pe- people don't know this, but right outside Beaumont, there's a pretty big wall blocking it from Louisiana, too. So I've been working day and night to build that motherfucking thing between us and Texas. <laughs> so I'm just working on getting my passport updated so I can you know enter the great country of Texas soon. It's awesome. This air doesn't have diseases in it. <laughs> it's the best. Thanks, Governor Abbott. <laughs> yeah, that does seem. I, I will say that um, as we were as we were talking about just pre-recording, um, it does seem that the Texas does as they do things bigger and better. They do their hygiene theater better because. Um, because uh, Rippy, you can probably attest to this better than me. But for those people that are not like actual COVID deniers, they have to be thinking that like Texas is kicking the virus's ass the best, right? Like they they're suppressing COVID the biggest. You yes, I mean 
I feel like they just say that every time someone pulls up at a jack uh, at a stoplight with a jacked up trucks and uh, straight pipes. And then when they blow the black smoke by me, I assume that's just like pesticides for COVID. So everyone's doing their part is kind of the way I'd like to look at it. Because there's Joe, a lot of Joe Biden and as Joe Biden and Donald Trump both um, said, neither of them emphatically support a Green New Deal. So I'm glad those pipes won't be coming off those trucks anytime soon. <laughs> I'm thinking about getting some on my forerunner. Um, I'm going to go by the mechanic on Saturday and see if he can hook me up. Maybe that one. Like- get some on my Toyota Sienna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cars. I got to buy one of those soon. I can't oh, wait. Man, okay, you want mine? I got to sell one soon. Let's let, let's <laughs> let's talk off air. Let's talk off air. All right. So yeah. so yeah, get us back on track here, gentlemen. Um, you know, we don't analyze football like the regular college football podcast might. Um, but. You know, Andrew, there's a big game coming up this weekend. Some would no, there's, call, no, there's not. Some would call it, um, I don't know if you would, one of your arch rivals. Um, th- that school in West Georgia um, called um, the Alabama Polytechnic Institute. Uh, they come up to Athens this week. How are you feeling that the college football gods saw fit to um, this rivalry being played in week two? I uh, didn't really know the game. Don't still don't know what time the game is at. Uh, was not confident before three days ago that it, the game was actually being played in Athens. Um, I'm not actually convinced that the game is going to occur. Uh, not for any COVID reasons, but um, for reasons in my own brain. Uh, I do not know if I'm going to either sit down and scream at the television bloody murder or simply just try and not watch the game because I've convinced myself that this season doesn't matter and I don't care. But KP, as one who watched me watch the Arkansas game, I think we both know that. that (laughs) Um, Andrew was cursing at his television as, you know, Georgia was driving up 27-10 in the fourth quarter. Uh, I've never seen a man have such high standards for a program that – you know, has disappointed him as often as it has. Uh, it's it, it's what's worse than Stockholm syndrome? Because I think that may be a case of what you've got, Andrea. Yeah, this I mean, th- this is by far the most abusive relationship that I've ever been in my life. And I would not say that my dating life is um, a bastion of uh, of chumminess to be looked upon. And so um, the University of Georgia has done quite a number on my mental sanity through what appears to be two weeks. But I, I this is going. This season's going to be such dog shit. I mean, like not even, not even from a a coronavirus perspective. From a me having to watch the Georgia Bulldogs play again. The, the, no one enjoys watching this team play. I, I, I don't understand how they got me here they got me to pay money to go to school there they got me invested and all they do is just fucking open heart surgery and shit down my chest every fucking you know who enjoys watching this kirby and and that's the only person who matters (laughs) kirby enjoys this shit so you're stuck with it so fascinating this whole you talk about like you've convinced yourself the season does it matter it's fascinating in that sense because like I, I found myself watching the Ole Miss game last week, and I'm writing notes because we do like a post game pod, and like a column, or whatever. So I'm just kind of somewhat jotting down notes in between beers, just so I have something to go off of. 
And I find myself kind of like lost in the game. Like Corral looked pretty good. The defense was atrocious. Like you feel normal and you kind of forget your surroundings for a while. And so it felt normal watching Ole Miss. But that's because Ole Miss is not competing for any sort of like title that would like, you know, hang any sort of banner other than them tying for first in the SEC West in 03, losing the tiebreaker to LSU and then still hanging the banner anyway. But point being, nothing in terms of like cement trophies is being played for by Ole Miss. But for a school like Georgia and a school like Alabama, y'all's two alma maters, like I wonder if the legitimacy amongst the fan bases feels different because there's actual aspirations and you would like things to be normal, if that makes any sense. Oh, um, from the Alabama perspective, they are absolutely treating it as a real season, especially because they might be – I mean, Ohio State hasn't played yet, but Alabama is one of the two or three best teams in the country at worst. So we are absolutely counting this one. Yeah, dude, we, we are already printing um, the 18 shirts. Like they, They're printed. They're out of production. It's just whether they're going to go to the fans or to uh, a third world country somewhere. Yeah, like, I know it's real, but like, will there be any asterisk feel to it? Wait, hold on. You're talking to an Alabama fan about whether they're going to claim the legitimacy of a national championship or not. Come on. Buddy, the, bar is, the bar is so low. Yeah, I would, I mean, dude, if we if we had if they played Auburn, UAB, and actual Alabama Polytechnic, they would claim a fucking national championship this season. They and and also I do appreciate uh, you uh, saying that Georgia plays for trophies, even though there is all evidence pointing to the contrary. Well, yeah, but you're, there. you're in the game for win and you get the trophy. Like a lot of schools don't get there. Yeah. So yeah. Man, we we printed the hell out of those SEC East championship rings, though. I will tell you what, hell yeah! So, Rippy, you are the uh, of the three schools represented on this podcast. Uh, yours is the only one that played a home game last weekend. Do you know what the vibe was like? Like, I don't, I wasn't paying that close attention. I don't even think I watched most of that game. So, where obviously people probably were not, you know, wearing masks the way they should, but. I, did it feel like a real home game to you know your sources on the ground? So here's a great story. I'll give you a great source on the ground, and I'll even give you some details about him. I caught a high school buddy of mine that's a Mississippi State fan that is now dating a girl that went to Ole Miss and did the whole, like, we're going to go to their family's box thing. <laughs> so he called me, like, 40 minutes into the game during a commercial to, like, let me know how much money he has on Florida. And I started talking to him. <laughs> in the stadium right now and he was like yes and of course he could not give a shit about either one and like hasn't been to that many old miss games and i was like what is it like like what is it like on the inside he goes honestly it looks like the last time i was here when luke was the coach and i was like okay so for old miss people it seemed somewhat normal but in all seriousness i don't like it, it was definitely not normal because you know you couldn't go to the grove like they had cops lining all around the place yeah i'm sure People go in the games. I th- from everything when I talked to that was actually at the game, just kind of said it felt like a – and I don't know if Georgia or Alabama people would know much about this, but a very dead college football environment. For Ole Miss, it's, you know, Houston Nutt the week after he gets fired with three weeks left and La Tech is up by three scores. But for Georgia, it's when Saban's the maddest because you're beating Western Carolina by 50 and no one's still there. That kind of vibe. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. Well, for for so for Georgia, you mean like the first quarter and a half of like an SEC game? 
Is it if so for Georgia? I was gonna try to take the liberty to describe it for a Georgia fan, kind of like I did for KP. Is Georgia is it the noon kickoff against like Georgia State and it's seven seven after a quarter and you're debating whether to go in because this is a game or not? Well, both of you to assume uh, UGA would ever schedule Georgia State after the near fiasco of Georgia Southern. <laughs> if you yeah. were to- <laughs> I mean, we're probably we're probably dumb enough to throw them a bag at some point. McGarity is uh, McGarity is by no means convinced me with his decision making that he is smart enough to not do that. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean like it. Uh, the problem with Georgia is like I have seen. It, it, I mean, it's literally night and day. Like my first four years as a Georgia fan was Mark Richt. And then the last five years has been Kirby Smart. And so like it was very much a dying era in the Richt era or at the end of the Richt era, just because, I mean, y- you were playing, uh, you were playing nine and three football, eight and four. I mean, I guess you were playing 10 win football, but it didn't really feel like it. And so you had a bunch of people who were just, kind of tired of it and with that eight and three or eight and four nine and three football comes a lot of nooners and you'll have i mean full especially the fraternity section and the way that the georgia student section does things is um a discussion for another day but they basically give the fraternity an entire section and so they don't have to go get there early and compete for seats with the rest of the people and so there's like a massive ten thousand person just hole in the middle of the stadium um, for any decent games. But since Kirby's come along, it's kind of one of those, like even the fraternity kids and all the, the dumbasses in the boxes and whatever, like it's kind of get here early because you want to be there for the game. So I imagine that is going to completely take away from any, like it's going to make any COVID atmosphere feel weird as shit now. What is George's capacity this weekend? Oh, I mean, probably like sixty-seven thousand. I don't know. No, like, <laughs> I think twenty-five. I think it's it's either twenty-five percent or twenty-five thousand. But I mean, we're close to a hundred thousand, so it's not in between twenty and twenty-five thousand. I'd imagine. Wait, did y'all see though that Jerry Jones? No, it might have. I, I think it was Jerry Jones. He bragged that they had the highest COVID capacity of week one of the NFL. Hell yeah, he did. Of course he did. The great state of Texas, baby. <laughs> Fucking bigger and better. Hook them. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, now the only thing that I actually do want to talk about, like real football wise, um, is the what the closest foot the, the football game that happened two miles from my house, which is uh, KJ Costello dragging his nuts all over LSU's face. Um, I mean, I watched it with LSU fans; they were I can't tell with them because like they're clearly very, very mad because you don't just go into a season, even if I I wouldn't know this, I'm sure KP would after a national championship and just be like, we won one. We're good. Like I, I, I'm okay going into this college football game, uh, losing. And like, I think they tried to tell themselves that. And like the fourth and fifth and 600th passing yards that went, went onto the field, they, just started losing their religion. And I, I mean, I think they're in for, um, this is not a, this is not a break year. This is going to be them screaming at coach O year again. This is, you know, you, you can tell yourself that all you want. Now we won it last year. This year is not real, but I mean, these are died in the wall SEC football fans and state just came into your stadium and scored 44 points. That, that hurts no matter who you are in the SEC. No disrespect to state, at least not right now, but 
They're, they're missing. Why do we always do KP? You always say that. You're like, no disrespect to the, all of these people who absolutely deserve disrespect. L- l- disrespect to Mississippi State. Listen, all I'm saying is uh, they're the least resourced school in the SEC, at least the least resourced public school. Um, they possibly, you know, reside in the worst college town in the SEC. And That's probably. And they just came into Tiger Stadium and put up 600 plus yards. That no matter who you are, no matter what year it is, no matter how good state is, it hurts to lose like that to Mississippi State. Because if you're LSU, it shouldn't happen. <laughs> I that was uh, so I said I wouldn't get any shocked by really anything in this pandemic year, but that was stunning to me because I actually find Mississippi State a lot more fascinating program a lot of the times than Ole Miss. And I figured the Leeds thing probably would work in the long run because if you can win in Pullman, Washington. What can he do with SEC talent, even if though it's bottom-tier SEC talent? But I didn't think they had the horses to pull it off immediately. And I'd be lying if I said I was completely locked into that game because the Ole Miss game had ended. I was kind of at a place where that was like the second TV treatment type of deal. And every time I looked up, they have some dude running a crossing route with no one within a television link screen with him. And I'm like, is this an Ole Miss game? Like, what is going on here? Holy shit, 600 yards in an SEC game? We didn't realize how, like watching it in person, didn't realize how many yards you know he actually threw for as it was happening. Because watching the first half, you're just like, oh man, LSU's secondary is like getting torched, and you have that thought, and then you see, oh, he threw for 380 at halftime. It's just like, <laughs> wait, did you make that up or did he really? I actually think it was 380 in the first half or something did absurd. Did you see this no. about yards from half a season? <laughs> Did y'all see the yards after contact stat? The what? The yards after contact? Mississippi State had 387 yards after contact on Saturday. I saw that and I was like, I saw it on Twitter. So I was like, this is a total count. And then I'm la- it was backed up by some pretty credible people. 386. <laughs> Listen, if you, if, if you can't call yourself DBU for uh, two calendar months, if that happens to you, I'm sorry. Hello. I'm not, I'm not sorry at all. You can't call yourself DBU. If it's not even the 600, it's the 387 stat that Rip just said. And yeah. Yeah, and like, but they, I, well, another thing I kept being reminded of is Edhard Bo Pelini. Ed's hard to work for. Bo Pelini is not exactly soft spoken. Like, how do you not do better? You just won a national title. You hired Bo Pelini. Why do you have to go old? I got to admit something. So I was watching the game, and we—I mean, we had probably four or five people over, and they're all—they're all football fans who whose opinion I respect and value. Uh, one of them being KP, and I mean, this is first quarter of the the LSU game, and this is an indicator as to what my knowledge of or consumption of college football has been over the off season. The LSU sideline flashed, and in my mind, I said, holy shit, wait, that looks like Bo Pelini. <laughs> and I didn't say anything because this uh, a thought immediately came up after that said, no, they didn't actually rehire him. And then thought, like, was it a dream that I thought they rehired him? Because it doesn't sound unfamiliar, but I'm not going to say it out loud because I'm going to get laughed at. And lo and fucking behold, yeah, they just rehired Bo Pelini. I, I I was kind of the only reason I'm not gonna act like I'm any more in tune. Literally, the only reason I knew that is because my buddy, you know, Brody Miller drops a uh, pretty lengthy story on the whole LSU defense earlier in that week, and that's when I was kind of like, "Oh, they hired Bo Pelini," and then it had the same thing on Saturdays, like, "Oh, they hired Bo Pelini." Like, 
Bo Bellini to me is probably, in, in my mind, and you're not going to convince me otherwise, even though I know this didn't happen, is sitting on the sideline going, crossing routes are for pussies. We're going to wait on them to run something else. And then just decide to get gashed for 600 yards and five touchdowns because, in his mind, crossing routes are for pussies. Hey, he stopped the fuck out of the run, though. I'll give him that. Hey, I mean, <laughs> they try, though. Like, Kylan Hill had seven – friend of the podcast, Kylan Hill, come on the pod – uh, he had seven rush attempts. Like at a certain point, Mike Leach just realized he didn't have to run. And they didn't try. He had a seventy-five yard touchdown catch. He was like their second best receiver. They didn't give a shit about the run. I, I, I will say this, uh, and from everything I've read and heard, you know, Dave Aranda, you know, LSU's defensive coordinator last year, who's now the head coach at Baylor, he's compared to most college football D coordinators, very soft-spoken, intellectual. He, he really sees the game differently than a lot of people, and he communicates that to his defenders differently. And it was a 3-4 scheme, so the D-line might not attack as much. Creepy, uh, shut the fuck up, dude. This is I'm what just, we no, do. I, can I finish? Numbers like that? Bo Pelini, and Bo Pelini is basically the exact opposite. Different system, different personality, very quick to curse you out, and that's kind of what Ed Orgeron wanted. And when you get a guy that stubborn – and you go against a Mike Leach team that's like, well, okay, cool. They're just going to keep playing press man, and when they can't do it, sure, why not? And that's how 600 yards on your head happens. You bring up a fascinating point, though, because Ed is so hard to work for. You know, you talk about for the offensive coordinator thing, he's really like one for four, right? You had the Canada thing, whoever the asshole was before him. Like, Ed has made one good hire, and that's Joe Brady, and he wasn't even intended to be the offensive coordinator. Like, and if Ed, like, if he's going to be this dynasty guy, which it's slightly early looking like he's not, you're going to have to be adaptable and make good hires. And he sat in a room with Bo Pelini and thought, this guy will do what I say. He'll be a yes man. How well, does- not only not only that, but he also, like, again, I, I don't – I know LSU fans are pro Steve Ingsminger because of the offense that operated last year. And I think the Ingsminger and – um, Joe Brady combo worked well, but I think that there is a lot of evidence pointing to the fact that it was just Joe Brady pulling a lot of the strings there and Joe Burrow pulling the strings there. So they kind of had the horses meeting the Ingsminger hire. If, if he turns out to not really be able to do anything with miles Brennan, and this continues kind of on a eight and four, nine and three track, that's going to be a, it's going to be looked on retroactively as like, dude, you just went out and hired your buddy. Like, you got lucky and you hired a 29-year-old that knew what the fuck he was doing. So does this turn out, and we're I love some week one overreactions, but does this whole thing turn out to where Ed's the guy at the end of his LSU tenure that should probably have a statue but doesn't because the breakup's ugly? Let's rev That's it up, baby. He's less miles. He's less miles. <laughs> Bitch, no, we should keep it. No, we're revving this thing up. I mean – I mean, like, okay, you you can't – I know that we've talked about the comparisons between the two teams, but, like, you can't tell me that, like, the way that they've gone up to leading to the title and then I know we only have one week, but, like, the Cam versus Joe Burrow comparisons. I know LSU last year had a lot more talent, and that was talent that O'Hell bring in. But, like, I think that they ended up going – I think Auburn went 8-5, and 14-0, and 8-5, then 3-9. and nine. I don't think LSU has a three and nine in them, but they don't have to get to three and nine for them to run O out of town. Like, like we were saying earlier, that goodwill runs up a lot quicker than you actually say it will. LSU, like, 
Like, another big thing about this, too, is the coronavirus season, the victory tour doesn't happen. Like, we're back into analyzing shit normally again. Like, you don't get to go to the tailgates and shit talk everybody else and talk all braggadociously. It's because it's like, for what, dude? Like, we're, we're in another season now. Like, you did, like, I, I don't know. It, it, it seems as if, like, them winning that title bookended something that they can no longer like kind of coast on the coattails of. And there's probably an element to just, it feels like so long ago because so much in the world has happened since there's got to be that in it too. So in in 20, so LSU was number two in the country in 2015 coming into Tuscaloosa. And by halftime of the game in Oxford, two weeks later, Les Miles was basically good as fired. That's how quickly this turns. Uh, yeah, in Baton Rouge, Auburn's crazy, but I mean, LSU can get crazy if you dare them to. And O might be getting there within a couple years. We'll see how everything builds, but it's not great early on. The problem with doing it is that mediocrity doesn't get like mediocrity get, gains you longevity in a lot of places, but when you take it up here, like eight wins might as well be five. That that was doesn't matter anymore. It's all about like it is all about trend right now. Like like Kirby has done well in in, in terms of like coming in and establishing. The, I mean, they brought the program from probably around the number fifteen program to like a pretty consistently top ten, top five program. And but it's all trend. Like had Kirby won the title in twenty seventeen, and then we lost back, like two straight Sugar Bowls, and then whatever happens this year, like things start getting a little different. The only reason like. I mean, Kirby right now is just the girl that is held out time and time again until marriage or whatever. And you keep waiting and keep waiting and keep waiting. And eventually we're going to put a ring on it. But fuck, I don't know. Oh, set the bar too high. You know, if, yeah. if last year, I'm not even saying winning the championship didn't form. If LSU still wins a championship, but they go 14 and one and they're just like a really, really good team then that's different. Okay, LSU was maybe the best team ever last year at 15-0. and 0, And that's just – you. no matter what happens, you will never, ever replicate that. Even if it's like a four- or five-year process, that's never happening again. And, and, and that's always the measuring stick that you know, you're going to be compared to. Can I pull into my uh, bag of arrows and fire off another arrow flaming tape? Can I can – I, I, Bust out that reaction. Let's go. Florida beats the shit out of Georgia and wins the East. Just beats the dog shit out of them. That would be fun. But if I know any, if I know anything about Kirby, it is we have the ability to make every game ugly. Every game. We are going to make that a 17 to 12 dog shit loss. And it is going to be horrible. I've got no reason to. After what I've seen Saturday, I've got no reason to say Georgia's better than Florida, which I never thought I'd say in the Kirby Mullen era. But I I, I don't see <laughs> how Georgia's better. I mean, no, I don't. I mean, apparently, I, I don't know what the fuck is going on with our quarterback situation. I don't think anyone does. Uh, but last week, what? Like with the quarterback deal? I know it's because Daniels is just now eligible. But like, was he that bad? I don't even know the I mean, name. Matt, the thing at Bennett was actually good. I mean, Bennett put up 28 points in a quarter. I mean, the defense scored once, but like, no, Bennett was fine. Uh, Mathis was just very, very bad. I mean, and so, like, 
from that perspective, like had they started the game with Bennett, Georgia probably would have been up 21-3 at halftime, and it we really wouldn't be talking about this. But I mean, you get down, you get ten, you get down ten five to Arkansas, and people's going to start noticing. Yeah, no kidding. Uniforms look sick, though. Yeah, I'm really glad that we throw a fucking ode that we haven't won a national title in since 13 years before I was born. Just a delicious self-own. Trask in Florida did look legit. Ole Miss's defense is awful, but that kid Pitts is a freak, and I think Trask is probably the most accurate passer. And, like, you go back to last year, they're really the only team that gave LSU much of a game. Yeah, no, I mean, they – but yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, Bama. I'm not. I guess Alabama definitely gave them a game. But if you're talking about where LSU felt most vulnerable, I would say it's Florida way more than it was the Bama game last. I'll year. give you that for sure. Yeah. Um, it's. I guess it's been trending towards this. It's. It's hard to envision Florida beating Georgia as long as they just haven't. I mean, Georgia's just sat on them for a few years now. Um, but hey, who knows? Um, I'm sure Andrew's really looking forward to that game. I mean, the the only thing, and again, this is part of making the game ugly. Like, we probably still have the best defense in the country. Um, I don't know what that means if you can't stop anybody, but like, they only scored on like a forty nine yard like bust weird busted coverage. And so, from that perspective, um, I, I am like, I don't think I, I just I think our defense is too good for us to get blown out. But with that being said. I can easily see us losing games like 24 to 10 just because we have no idea what we're doing on offense. But George Pickens is a fucking monster. He's so good. If we can ever figure out anyone to get him the ball, I mean, he's easily the best receiver that we've had since AJ. What was the strangest thing y'all saw last week? Ooh, the strangest thing I saw. Um, I don't know if this counts as strange, but Texas Tech going up 15 with three minutes ago and flashing the horns down, and then immediately losing in overtime. Yeah, well, they, they, they up 15 with three minutes left? They, they scored to go up 56-41 you know, with like three minutes to go and then lost in overtime. Which, you don't disrespect my Longhorns, man. You, you don't flash the horns down and you know, don't expect retaliation. The horns down is the single funniest thing in college football. Like it, like it's it's the perfect encapsulation of like dumbass kids at UT trying to like become oppressed by something. And it's like they they did they did the mean fingers pointing towards the ground. I'm I'm I am I am a I am a member of an oppressed class now. Pay attention to me. Is it further evidence these Big 12 is softer than baby shit? Because if you're asking for this to be a penalty in the Big 12 or what, I got my thumb in the way, whatever the hell this is, like, try to sitting in the third row that borders the LSU and Ole Miss section in Death Valley. And you've got, you know, stadium cups for a urine being bombed back and forth. And these people are worried about this. It, it just means more. It, it does mean more. Uh, another funny thing I saw was, you know, I, for, for a long time, I guess Florida State's biggest issue was that they were they just did not have offensive linemen. I was like, okay, sure. So I guess through multiple head coaches and that being a focus in recruiting, that'll work. And then they just didn't have an offensive line again against Miami, and Miami vaporized them immediately. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of either team, really, but it, it is cool when Miami is cool. That's good for college football. 
The Utah school. Can we talk about Florida State for a second? Because I, I don't. I mean, I, I'm. I barely pay attention to my own team. I sure shit don't pay attention to th- what's going on in Tallahassee. But like, they, it's literally like a top five perennial program that is now a bottom feeder of like a middling conference. It, it has there ever been a like? I mean, I, I guess maybe like the the Al Golden era of, of Miami, but like, has there been a harder fall from grace? Even Texas wasn't this bad. Florida state's in a, in a weird situation because compared to, you know, their peers, you know, public schools in the state of Florida and the rest of the ACC, they don't actually make a ton of money. Uh, you know, pretty much once Bowden retired and Jimbo got there, unless it was a big game, they couldn't sell out their stadium uh, their alumni base isn't as big or as affluent as you know other comparable schools. Uh, they just made their hay because they were always able to just recruit the shit out of Florida, like on Miami's level. And you know, once that dried up, aka once Jimbo stopped trying, and then they hired two worse recruiters than Jimbo and Taggart and now Mike Ravel. I mean, you just see the bottom fall out because they don't have any other natural resources to fall back on if they just can't recruit Florida. And it, to KP, you know, not to get, like, too technical, but, like, K, one, to answer Andrew's macro thought, you talk about the fall for grace. Some of these other programs, it was just a decline, decline, decline. For Florida State, it's like Jameis, like, one year, and then just absolute nose nod. But to KP's point, like, you bring up the offensive line. We had uh, – we're talking three hours of college football a day on radio last fall, so you get into some pretty weird rabbit holes. We discovered through some stat through recruiting wakings that Florida State's offensive line by recruiting stars was the 87th best offensive line in the FBS. By recruiting, not by their statistics on the field, by the dudes they brought to campus. And so to your point, Jimbo just stopped trying, and it's a half-decade-long fix, I think. Minimal. Yeah, it's whenever you bring in a new staff or even if you're trying to fix a position, you can – figure out quarterback position pretty easily, whether it's through like a high-profile recruit or through JUCO. You can figure out running back pretty easily just bring in a couple of good JUCO guys. Same with receiver. Um, and even to an extent, defensive line. Uh, offensive line is a multi-year fix. You cannot fix that in one cycle. That's going you don't to play. It's, imp- it's nearly impossible. Laramie Tucker didn't start his first college game. No, it, the learning curve is so steep. And if, if the learning curve is that steep and you're bringing in worse athletes – in the biggest learning curve position outside quarterback, it, you it, Florida State the last three years is what you get. I, is there anything that is like more obvious that you just don't belong on the field with a team than just DNs absolutely blitzkrieging your offensive tackles? Like I feel like that's I, I feel like that has been. I turn on my TV at. 11:30 on an 11:30 in the fall any of the past 3 years and it's just fucking James Blackman running for his life somewhere with Florida State down 13 nothing. And when you watch those games particularly in Tallahassee, it just feels sad. And I don't even know how to like quantitatively explain that, but to your point they're getting housed by someone that you would never see Florida State getting housed by and the environment in the stadium just feels very sad. Well, there's something that's interesting to me, and like we're talking about it now, but it's like no one cares that they suck either. Like we talked about, and like I know this conversation is, I mean, directly antithetical to that, but like 
I felt like I saw a billion think Pete. We we know the Texas is back moniker. We heard all, like the incessant bitching when Notre Dame took a step back. All we heard after Pete Carroll was what's going on at USC. I mean, we still hear with Helton. We don't know what's going on with Miami. Florida State, I feel like is the bottom has fallen out worse than any of them. And like mum's been the word even more than any of those situations. Like Mike Norvell may legit be a one and done guy. Like, wait, I, I, I could have this wrong, but like, would that be three coaches in three years or it would be four coaches in five years, right? Taggart was fired. Taggart's first year was 18. He was fired in the middle of 19. Um, yeah. Norvell is coaching maybe the worst Florida State team of my lifetime currently, uh, which, yeah. So that would be four, three coaches in four years. Just to, four. Like, do they have the Jeez. ego of we're Florida State, we'll hire someone else? Or do you finally just say, hey, we fucked up bad. Like, let's just like, give a guy a half decade to fix this. Because patient, the problem with these programs that fall from grace now is that patience doesn't exist in college football now. And when your situation's really bad, it can't be fixed in two years. It, what's, what's interesting about the Florida State fix is that I think this is a perfect opportunity to do what you just said, right? to give a guy five years. Because it's not like, you know, I guess North Carolina is trending upwards, but it's not a situation like at Tennessee, they realize it's like, because Butch Jones wasn't a terrible coach, but they had one bad year and it's like, well, Georgia's going nuclear under Kirby. We have to fix this now. And Clemson's going to be Clemson, but there aren't really any other programs on a meteoric type rise. So Florida State can buy themselves a few years with this. I, I think no one cares, going back to your old point, Andrew, about Florida State. They were most interesting when they were a foil to Miami. It, it's just they they were pretty similar in ways they built their programs, but Miami was the cool, you know, swaggered program and Florida state under Bowden, at least to the outside world was, you know, pretty disciplined, um, hard nosed football team. If they're not that no one in like uh, Texas is going to care about them. Yeah. That that's, I guess where I'm wondering from, because we, we do this all the time. Um, I, I see it in the NBA with with pieces of do markets matter? Like do do markets matter for free agencies and the different ways that you can build a team and yada yada yada. And I, I think about that with college football too because they always talk about these big markets as being these home run hitters. And I know it was a little bit weird this past offseason because you had Paul George and Kawhi going to the Clippers and you had KD and Kyrie going to Brooklyn, but like the general like last 15 years or so like outside of the lakers there hasn't really been any major like market market draw or like like people realize that the anthony davises of the world if they want to can survive in new orleans the giannis's of the world if they want to can survive and win in in milwaukee and so what i'm wondering from a florida state perspective is like do any kids i mean like we're entering a point where like yeah, they remember Jameis and they remember Jimbo, but like Jimbo wasn't an era at Florida State like Bowden was. And like Jimbo, I feel like didn't wasn't really like synonymous with any kind of culture other than like continuing to sweep things under the rug so the machine kept moving. And so I guess what I'm wondering is it, it didn't seem like they established any semblance of a tradition in that time. They've won more than Georgia, but it seems like if you got – 
a job at Florida State now and then you got the, the Georgia job offered to you, you would go it, like it seems like they've even taken a step back from the national hierarchy of they might not even be like a in destination school anymore for a coach. So Florida State was it was founded after it was a, a girls college, you know, female only until World War Two. So in t- when you talk about old alumni bases and just, you know, that means old money, uh, th- that's just out of the window. You know, a ton of schools had like 50-year head starts on them. And then Bowden coached there for – Shit, Georgia had 150. Exactly. Ge- you know, Bowden was there for 35 or so years and was a legend, obviously. He leaves. His hand-picked successor wins a national championship but still leaves after eight seasons – so it's like, I mean, outside of one dynastic run and, you know, one guy kind of continuing that, what's Florida State got to lean on? Uh, Probably what happy, baby. I mean, some of this, some of what we're saying is probably what well, Jimbo was thinking about on the plane to meet with Ross Bjork the first time, no? Or I guess that wasn't Bjork. That happened after Bjork. It was. Scott, Scott Woodward, um, Baton Rouge native and LSU grad, uh, bank not bankrupted, but he made A and M give up seventy five million, guaranteed, and then took the LSU AD job like a couple weeks later. Yeah, they're the same school. That, they're the same school that made John Chavis the highest paid coordinator in the country. They've been wanting to do something like this while he was doing LSU for more money, right? Or was it the other way around? Uh, I, I think Chavis was suing LSU. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's exactly, yeah. Over making shit tons at A&M. Look, money's never going to be an issue for A&M as long as the price of crude oil doesn't bottom out. Like They'll be fine. Oh, no. <laughs> what, what, what could possibly uh, cause the price of crude oil to bottom out in this 2020? <laughs> the greatest falling upward job of all time is Ross Bjork handling the Ole Miss situation the way he did, and then his next job is the largest athletic budget in the country. Uh, I'm really excited for Jimbo Fisher to start like hate tweeting um, AOC when the price of crude starts going down because it's going to affect that re- contract renewal. Oh, I, new, oh, oh, oh a- Andrew, you, you uh, beef jerky line, Andrew, you fool! If you think that contract's ever getting renewed, whatever happens, Jimbo's never coaching another game after year ten. He's done. <laughs> I'm not the only one that gets renewed is if he wins the whole thing, right? No one is touching that contract <laughs> like, until, they, they, until they have to. I've been I've been under the assumption. I mean, one, if I'm Jimbo, dude, go make your fucking luxury beef jerky. Tell A and M to fuck off and try and fire you for be or try and sue you for breach of contract. But if I were if I were A and M, what do you think is the absolute minimum threshold? for them to come up to year 11 and say, Jimbo, we're, we're putting down at least another five years or come into year seven and say, we're going to an extension. They have to win the SEC twice. Is one conference title enough? For 75 million guaranteed. No, one SEC title is not enough. Have you seen how little they've won historically? It's fucking, I mean, like it's paltry. Coming from a school where we, I'm looking at a bear trophy case. It's paltry over there. Did KB? Did you say twice? Yeah, he, yeah. It's ten no, years, seventy-five million. I was going the same road you were going. I was going to go another a step further. A national title and another playoff appearance. Wow. 
That's real. That's big. And I, I, man, I don't. That I just feel like y'all. I don't know. Like you saw, they, they've been conditioned to such mediocrity that them being in the college football play, like they talk about the Johnny Johnny football's Heisman season, like someone would talk about going fifteen and zero, and they went like nine and three. It's such They're a talking about it. It's a weird yeah. dynamic because when you really look at their history, Kevin Sumlin's like the second or third best coach in school history. Yeah, that, no, like <laughs> that's how mediocre it has been throughout the game against South Carolina. Literally, might be the greatest performance in school history. <laughs> if, if Jimbo does win a national title, do they make all the players put like weld the class ring inside the national championship? Oh. Ring? The class ring yeah. has to be oh. visible. Right? Yeah, it does. Damn. Damn that national title ring. You got to show the class ring. Or do they just attach them like side by side? I think it's, I think it's, a, problem. I think it's a problem they know they will have never needed to address. <laughs> if, so they, if Jimbo wins a national title, you know that statue of the, you know, the 12 people swag surfing outside Kyle Field? They're just going to redo that. It'll be 12 Jimbos. Just like <laughs> – if you asked one person in College Station what swag surfing is, I think they would report you to the police. Outside of the football uh, building, that's a that's a caveat. It can't be in the football building. Yeah, no, 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 no. You ask you ask one you ask one of the one hundred and twenty five thousand students that go there what swag surfing is, and no, it's funny because they do it every game, <laughs> every single game, that's every what- yeah, yeah. But they call it something dumb based on some dumb tradition, dude. That tour there. I went on a, a college a college visit there. Uh, you committed there, sir. Let's <laughs> let's not lie to the, the listeners here. Oh, you were God. going to A and M, Andrew. What? You were going to A and M at one point? Yeah, yeah, because I got waitlisted at Georgia, um, and I just didn't want to go to LSU. And I had a cousin who went to A and M, and so I figured, all right, this is a good enough reason to join a cult. Um, <laughs> this is a literal cult. No, dude, it would have been so bad. The problem is I would have, like, bought into the cult. That's That would have been the absolute worst part is I would have I would have been a diehard Aggie fan. And I, I, I'm telling you about my abusive relationship with Georgia. I mean, there are, like, five schools that I would rather rather be a fan of less than Georgia, and A&M is clearly on that list. Ole Miss, at least it would be fun. Like, y'all don't have the expectations, and you get to drink a lot. You live in Oxford. That's the thing. College Station is fine within its own universe, but the second you compare it to another college town, it's like, oh, God, this is, you know, there's there's no potential here. This is as good as it gets. College Station is larger, and what it's in proximity to. That is the only reason it's fine. It's just a bunch of stuff. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it, it, like like uh, most of the parking lots and strip malls. Yeah, I mean, like if if it's strip mall, like TGI Fridays, a fucking Applebee's, they should all be headquartered in College Station. It's just a lot of stuff. That would be fun if, like, like how all of the com- like all of the companies that are uh, like ruining the environment and the economy are headquartered out of Delaware. We just have all of those that um, are in uh, fast casual chain dining be headquartered out of College Station. 
Like, yeah, California Pizza Kitchen and Cheesecake Factory moved to College Station. Dude. Yeah, the, dude, what if we get Papa John on as the next A&M booster now that he's fallen from grace at Louisville? Now we're talking. They'll take it. A&M speaks one language, and it is called USD. They speak one language, and it is called garlic sauce, baby. Um, <laughs> I think that's a pretty good place for us to yeah. uh, jump out here. Reb, who's Ole Miss got this weekend? Ole Miss plays Kentucky in a really fascinating game because Kentucky was kind of my lock of the week last week. And they outgained Auburn, converted over half of their third downs, and – had more special team yards, rushing yards, and passing yards. Like, outgained them all total and outgained them in all three phases and somehow lost by 16 points. So Ole Miss at Kentucky, I kind of like Ole Miss's chances, though. Interesting. So what you're saying is uh, Georgia's going to uh, beat Auburn and lose to Kentucky this year. That's what I'm saying. And since I like their chances, how's Kentucky if you're trying to get richer? What's the line on the Georgia game? Oh. we got to be what, like, my favorite. Seven. Georgia minus seven. Seven? Yeah. Oh, huge. I, 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 am, I hate to say this. I'm hammering the Auburn Tigers. If that's, oh, that's, a, that's a danger zone right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, dude. I'm, 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 going to, uh, I'm going to the beach with my family this weekend, so I'll be probably, like, secluded into the bedroom TV, screaming into a pillow, trying not to have my parents catch me smoke weed. So I'm excited. I'm excited to watch Kellen Mann um, complete the arc and uh, finish 0-4 against Alabama. Uh, that's going to be a really big day for me. Uh, but it, Oh, shit. It's A&M. I forgot. It's a top yeah. 10 game, randomly. Or is A&M, did they, they drop down? They should have. They, they're as good as Vandy. This is this is certainly going to be a week of football. Um, folks, as always, thanks for listening to Banjo College Football, the world's most ethical college football podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, rate five stars, leave a review. Uh, we love you. Thanks, and uh, we'll see you soon. Forgot ads again. Woo!